All right. So hello. This is Josh Kulajeli. Um, he is someone that I know from Trinity. I honestly, Josh, I don't know you that well. Like I know like bits and fragments from your history. Um, but we didn't like hang out much in college. We more like took more classes together, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to get to know you better and kind of like hear your full story tonight and where you're at with things. But thank you so much for taking the time to be interviewed. Yeah, no problem. Uh, definitely. I think uh, ran in adjacent circles, but never the same circle. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're in like a small enough college that like everything kind of overlaps at some points, but I think it'll be fun to get to know you more. I, I do remember... I think, I don't know if it was freshman year or sophomore year, I found out that you like went to a summer camp near where I lived and my dad worked there at one point. And so that was kind of a fun connection. Yeah. You like understood the UP a little bit more than really any of my other friends did. So yeah. Yeah. Just knowing somebody else who not only knew where Crystal Falls, Michigan was, (laughs) but lived there was pretty mind blowing to my 18 year old self. Yeah, exactly. And I like showed up for college being like, no one's going to know what the UP is even or like anything culturally about it. So it was really like, what? How does, how does that <laughs> even happen? It was great. But yeah, so besides Crystal Falls, um, what kind of context should our listeners have for you um, before we like jump into the depths of it? Yeah. So like Liv said, my name is Josh Coldajelli. Uh, I work at Arizona State, so I'm a higher ed professional now. Um, I was pursuing a career in college coaching, uh, coaching college basketball, so worked for the basketball team at Trinity, worked up and did um, some graduate work at Central Michigan University, um, where I was a graduate assistant for their men's basketball program. Um, Realized I didn't want to work in college athletics anymore, but wanted to work in higher education Um, I met my wonderful wife, Hannah, in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, um, which doesn't have a mountain and isn't very pleasant. Um, But a deceptive naming there. But for you, it's pleasant because you met Hannah. So that works. Exactly. Right. So. um, So, yeah. uh, So now I live in in Phoenix. Um, Been living here for about two full years. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, I feel like I just give a very male answer of just answering about <laughs> professions and nothing other than that um but I'm sure that I'll reveal more of myself kind of throughout the whole interview yeah absolutely and also like in this kind of stage of life professions are like very very defining for people because we're kind of still figuring out like oh this is actually what I love instead of like what you think you might love at some point so it is kind of exciting do you refer to things more like in the sense of religion or spirituality, what makes the most sense for you as we like go through this conversation? Yeah, I think, I think a little bit of both. Um, I think personally, I still would consider myself a religious person. Um, I think the way I would self-identify is as a, as a curious Christian. Um, So definitely love to learn about and see more of kind of the realms of spirituality and spiritual practice more so than just the steeple, the pews, the organ uh, aspects, but also realizing um, 
where Christ can be found in everyday things and God can Mm -hmm. be found in, in nature and in people and in places. And um, so I definitely, I think I would categorize myself as, as a curious Christian. Um, And I, I kind of, I don't think I could put myself in in one of either religious or spiritual camps, just somewhere kind of in the middle. So yeah, I appreciate that. I haven't heard anyone like define themselves as a curious Christian, but I think that's a very gracious definition. I like that a lot. Um, Take me back to like what it was like environmentally for you when you were like born and growing up, like what, what was taught to you, what was expected of you in the like spiritual and religious realms? Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to kind of describe my upbringing as um, I was kind of a a Christian mutt. Uh, So one side of the family Presbyterian, other side of the family Catholic, grew up in a non-denominational church, eventually grew up in a reformed church, went to a Lutheran high school, went to a reformed college. So definitely theologically and spiritual environmentally, between the ages of zero and 18 were exposed to a lot of different things and, and learned a lot of different things in that way. Um, so I grew up in the suburbs of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, so just kind of also that just kind of Midwest Rust Belt city. Um, everybody has some kind of, kind of Christian affiliation for the most part in the suburbs, um, at least heavily majority so lots of Catholic, lots of Lutheran influences on, on just kind of every aspect of life um, was kind of the environment that I grew up in. But, and I joke about this with my parents now because they're the farthest thing from this, but like growing up, um, definitely that kind of late 80s, early 90s, really strict um, evangelicalism of couldn't watch Disney movies, couldn't watch Pokemon because it had evolution in it. Um, eventually was allowed to play Pokemon, uh, which is a big part. Of, like, I feel like I have a lot of that stuff repressed now and like make up for it in my, in my yeah. mid twenties. Um, pr- primarily like only Christian music in the house. Um, like wasn't allowed to listen to like Britney Spears and NSYNC and stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of the environment I grew up in. Um, I feel like I'm only comfortable saying like that now because both like kind of everyone in my family is like really reconciled with a lot of that kind of culture that we grew up in um, and the the pressures we had from that. So um, it's kind of like, that's what gets joked about at Thanksgiving and things like that. Um, So. So would you say like your whole family has kind of gone through some types of deconstruction or just shifts in like priorities or values? Yeah, I think I would probably be the only one who would like categorize it as a deconstruction. I think everybody else would just kind of be more of just tonal shifts and just kind of shifts in understanding. Um, but but yeah, definitely with just kind of a lot of things that have happened. And my mom works in the church back home, so she had to deal with a lot of stuff Um as you can imagine that a Midwest suburban church had to deal with the past four years. Um, she kind of had mm-hmm. to deal with a brunt of a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and so like that really like changed a lot of my parents' perspectives. And even before that, and um, 
I'm, I'm the third of four boys. So having three boys in college at the same time and, and a fourth in high school, um, that also just kind of changes perspective too. And we would always come back from college and had learned different things and I met different people and kind of, um, my parents are definitely just very gracious people. And I think that's something I really appreciate about them is they were always willing to learn from us boys. Um, not just kind of like, why aren't you listening to what we taught you? Why are you learning new things? It was, there was, <laughs> there was definitely an openness of wanting to learn, but we had learned too. Um, whether that was academically or spiritually or, or whatever it be. So I think that was something I really appreciated about my parents um, and kind of has reclaimed some of the uglier sides of, of that spiritual upbringing, where I think if that hadn't happened, I think there'd definitely be kind of more, a, a stronger level of bitterness than, um, than there is now where it's kind of more jokes and stuff. So mm, that's really lovely. I definitely felt like I, when you were talking about your upbringing, like I was like, Oh, that feels so familiar. Like I'm not a Disney adult now because I don't have that same like nostalgia with all of the Disney, like movies or anything like that. Cause I, I remember like a babysitter would sometimes bring the little mermaid over and like, we would like very secretly watch it because like my parents couldn't know that I watched the little mermaid because she was like disrespectful for her to her dad. And I like now all my friends are like, what? that doesn't even make sense. But there definitely was like that kind of like era where parents were like, Hey, like, this is what's important. And this is how I can do it. Yeah. Do you have any like favorite Christian bands or anything like that from back in the day? Ooh, I mean, that's tough. I mean, I think obviously, I mean, you have your like Reliant K's and Switchfoot's. Um, one that I've been like going back to that I never listened to as a kid, but I've been listening to as an adult who was like a Christian group in the like early 2000s is Flyleaf. Mm, um, yeah. Like Christian, like, <laughs> metal heavy rock like I wouldn't describe it as metal but like I caught myself like listening to them for like a week straight a couple weeks ago um I mean I think growing up is definitely like the DC talk Toby Mac newsboys but I think the ones that have stuck with me is mostly mostly just like Reliant K is probably the one I listen to consistently um but I think that there's been such a renaissance of Christian music now that there's a lot better than what there used to be Mm. um I think we get a lot more options than than jars of clay and (laughs) uh cutlass and bands like that 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 weren't actually good but we thought were so yeah in preparation for this podcast I like one day I was like I'm just gonna listen to a bunch of like Christian throwback music and I was like whoa it was just such a visceral like time machine for me because that was all I listened to and like I never listen to it now so it definitely was a weird throwback yeah this summer I got into running for the first time during Mm -hmm. like the pandemic because I'm not the most active person but I just needed something and I still hate running but I put um, Hanging by a Moment by Lifehouse on my my running playlist and like would have like legitimate like spiritual experiences with it but I think it was just because I was running in phoenix arizona in july when it's 100 degrees at 8 a.m like a fever dream yeah i think it was just my body like (laughs) shutting down on me but um it was either that or uh lifehouse 
uh, induced spiritual experiences. So yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, Lifehouse. Did you ever do that like skit where it's like all the different like sins that people fall into and then Jesus saves them? Yeah, the, the Lifehouse skit definitely like I think I was I was only ever in it once, but I had been like, only once. Of, wow. I was only in it <laughs> once, but had been a part of a youth group that produced it like six or seven times. So, <laughs> Oh my goodness. It was funny. Like I saw a while ago, there was like a TikTok of like, you have to see this skit. And I was like, Oh no, it's coming back. Yeah. That's the craziest. Like I'm not on TikTok, but I get like the reels on Instagram mm-hmm. and there's just like some of the stuff where I just feel so bad where I was like, I thought like we'd be able to move past this kind of stuff, but there's still some of those mindsets and uh just some of that like toxic christianity that has definitely trickled down into the the younger generation mm-hmm. and yeah like through that and then there's like that one tiktok that went viral about um that girl rejecting the vaccine for jesus mm-hmm. and like yeah. going to heaven yeah. and god thanking her for doing that instead of getting vaccinated and oh um, my goodness it was just like that kind of stuff where yeah growing up in the early mid 2000s early aughts like that stuff was just hammered home and I thought we would have gotten rid of it but we haven't yet so (laughs) hopefully eventually maybe at some point yeah yeah it is kind of sad to watch what were the pieces that like growing up you felt were like so normal, but like now as an adult, you're kind of reprocessing pieces of like Christianity or that culture. I mean, I wasn't going to jump into politics this early, but (laughs) probably politics Mm -hmm. and just kind of typical conservative politics. I think, um, I think being commonplace in the church and kind of being the only thing in the church and not realizing you could think differently from that. Um, I mean, I remember, um, so I went to, I grew up, so I didn't go to public school until grad school. That was my first time ever being in a public school. So preschool through undergrad, I was always in Christian schooling. Um, So where I was at in school, I would have been in fourth grade during the Bush carry election Mm. and the whole school did a mock election and we had to like write in and go and turn in our ballots during the day and stuff like that and they'd read them over the intercom at the end of the day and I just remember the first so they were like John Kerry zero votes and everybody (laughs) booed and it was oh wow George Bush 380 votes or whatever how many kids were in the school and it was Ralph Nader three votes and like me and like my like one other friend and uh somebody else were like the only people who voted for Ralph Nader in the whole school but like even that just being like ingrained in me where it was like oh like this evil democrat boo oh this savior republican like not even the specific politicians because I was I was in fourth grade I didn't know anything about their policies and things along those lines but just like that was something that was definitely just deeply ingrained in me and then just kind of through high school. Um, so I went to uh, a high school in the city of Milwaukee on the city line. Um, and 
it was Milwaukee's a very uh, heavy school choice um, city. Okay. So it had a very di- diverse, but also segregated student body. Mm-hmm. So then also just kind of going through um, Obama's second election, because his first election was when I was in middle school still. So in like a very like all white, all conservative, small Christian school. Yeah. Um, Did they think Obama was the Antichrist? Yeah, I would hear like Democrats a lot. Mm-hmm. That was always one of my favorite ones. Like scared of Obama being the Antichrist, which like later, like now as like an adult, I realized that was all because of focus on the family. And mm-hmm. like um mm-hmm. that was all because of like Dr. James Dobson writing this letter from a future American. And it was all about like this is what the country is gonna turn into if we let Obama win. And it was all this like post-apocalyptic fanfic that was written by Focus on the Family and sent out to this mailing list of millions of people. So that's where like wow. the whole like Obama is the Antichrist thing came from. Um, so it's that starting was, to make a lot more sense now. Yeah, like so like learning about that. Like I mean, I learned about that like a month ago. Um, but being in like a very diverse school and like during the so after Obama's second election, one of the religion teachers gets up in the front of the school and pretty much says that like America is damned. We made the wrong choice. Like everything's going to hell because we did this. And this was a school of, that was, that was 50% black students. And it was like, <laughs> it was one of the most tone deaf and inappropriate things I've ever witnessed in my life. And, um, I mean, and there was, I mean, there was a line out the door at the guidance counselor office all day and that teacher no longer works there, um, Mm -hmm. and hasn't worked there for a long time, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but you remember feeling how tone deaf it was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember it. And I wasn't, I wasn't 18. I, it was my senior year of high school, but I wasn't 18 because I'm a January birthday. So I wasn't able to vote in that election. So I wasn't super, I wasn't like both Obama elections kind of being in middle school and high school was where I was still kind of like learning about politics, learning about sociology and, and philosophy and all that. And it was just kind of, I never understood what was so bad about him. Um, mm. And like, that was kind of where it was growing up too. And then even in high school, as we kind of got older and you had some kids in your class who could vote and they would kind of voice their opinions one way or the other. And it was still just kind of at this point where it's just like, he's, he's not this bad evil person <laughs> that everybody is making right. him out to be. This right. guy's not the antichrist. I think that people having health care that's accessible does sound like a good thing. <laughs> like I, <laughs> Wait a second. um, it has been weird yeah. as an adult to be like, wait, that's the policy everyone was bad about? Like, it just doesn't even make sense to me now learning about it re- retrospectively. Right. And I think especially like in a post-Obama era, it's like he was very far away from what communism is. <laughs> like <Yeah>. He wasn't <laughs> this evil communist dictator that everybody said he was going to be. He was, you know, just a little left of kind of mainstream mm-hmm. conservatism. Um so it's just kind of uh, funny to, I think that's kind of um, 
one of the big things to go back to the original question after the long rant of just kind of growing up in a culture of thinking that Christian and conservative go hand in hand. You can't be a Christian and not a conservative if you're not a if if you're not a conservative Christian, you're not doing it correctly, kind of growing up in that. And that's like a big thing that I just realized that's gonna be farther from the truth. Yeah, absolutely. So like before high school, what was your personality like when you were interacting with more like spiritual or religious spaces? Oh, definitely. I was like the super Christian. I was like the kid growing up who's like, oh my gosh, he's going to be a pastor. Mm. I was the one who, I mean, being in, in Christian school, I was like, I'd always get an A or a plus in Bible class, always had all the Bible verses memorized, followed the rules super strictly. Um, like if I was at a sleepover in middle school and they wanted to watch like an R-rated movie, I like wouldn't let them. Um, so I was not a good hang. Um <laughs> a better hang now i swear um <laughs> to but, all of uh, josh's previous friends <laughs> he will watch an r-rated movie with you if you really yeah, I will watch to. i will watch an r-rated movie now um <laughs> but like yeah like 10 to like 13 year old josh was just like super super into that realm of christianity of following the rules and and um but i was also i was the third of third of four boys so I was also just inherently competitive too so it was like Mm. oh yeah this is something I'm good at which I wasn't good at a lot of things but I was good at Christianity I was like this is something I'm good at and I can be better than people at it Mm. like this is going to be my thing um so definitely kind of wanting to out Christian my classmates and Sunday school classmates and things like that um which again is something now in hindsight as a 26 year old, like you can't out Christian people. Um, you can't out. But it did feel like in middle school that you could, like it right. really felt that way. Right. It was like, Oh, they're listening to little Wayne. Like I'm listening to Toby Mac. Like Jesus likes me more. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, I didn't watch an R rated movie this weekend. They did like, there's definitely this weird competition of of um knowing that salvation didn't come through acts i never like thought of it that way but of like thinking that um definitely like the like crown like the jewels in your crown kind of fallacy definitely thinking that was like real for a long time um and definitely thinking that i wouldn't gain my salvation through acts but like gain a higher approval from god through my acts than all of my classmates yeah how did how was it taught that like salvation is granted growing up with like Uh, such a conglomeration of different like christian beliefs how did how did that work for you yeah growing up we were still definitely that was kind of when we were in our most like evangelical phase up until i was in fourth grade so growing up it was definitely like pray the prayer um get baptized not infant baptism I was baptized as an infant but Mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily believe that that was salvation um so I was actually baptized twice 
just to make sure. Um, <laughs> so you really are like super, super, super saved. Like you were the yeah. best Christian and you were double baptized. I was the best Christian, double baptized. I probably prayed, prayed the prayer like 13 times. So Oof, you are I'm, good. I'm set. Yeah. Golden. Um, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um, so like definitely like it was brought up, like pray the prayer, get as many people to pray the prayer as possible. Um, there's also just kind of that fear mindset too, just kind of that, that rapture culture of um, mm-hmm. like, this could happen at any moment and you need to be ready. And like the left behind books being big um, yeah. and all the stuff that isn't actually in the Bible <laughs> influencing tons <laughs> of Christians. Um, I remember like I was at Bible camp up in the UP and there showed this one video and it was like this pastor in front and he's like you never know like when jesus is going to come back you might even come back like right now and like as he's saying now like it like there's this lightning bolt and like half the people are still in the room he's gone and i was like 10 years old when i saw this and i obviously wasn't watching horror movies because i wasn't watching well, yeah. r-rated movies because i was yeah, a good christian that's demonic yeah yeah so like that's like the scariest thing you could ever see is like oh my gosh like half these people are gone these other half aren't and they're damned for eternity because they didn't take the 30 seconds to pray the salvation prayer. So I like go home. My little brother, I mean, he's five years younger than me. So he, I was probably like 10 and he was like five. I remember like first thing I do when I get home from camp is like run to his room and like make sure that he's done this. And like, <laughs> because i was like okay i've been double baptized but you haven't so like we kind of yeah yeah because i was like shaking him like michael you have to pray this or you're gonna go to hell and like that's scary it is i mean i think that's like there's definitely just some i think that there is a lot of people who do leave the church completely who still like that is like a not to minimize the word, but that can be a very traumatic experience of, of sitting in that, especially like end of week of camp, you're a kid, you're sleep deprived, you're spatial deprived, you've been away from home for seven days. And um, so you're already like in a weakened emotional state. And then you have that happen. And it's like, <laughs> you're like, whoa, like, what is going on in my brain right now? Like, that's just like, not something a 10 year old brain is supposed to be able to handle and process. Um, yeah. let alone a five-year-old's brain. Uh, so sorry to Michael, if he <laughs> listens to this, um, yeah. So kind of elementary school, pre-elementary school is definitely heavily evangelical. And then once I was in fourth grade, we started going to a reformed church. So kind of move into a very heavy theological setting, um, a lot more kind of head knowledge than heart knowledge uh, take on the Bible and on Christianity and on spirituality. So do you remember what prompted that change? um, So there was like a lot of messed up stuff that happened in the church we were in um, Mm -hmm. as a family. So that was, that was the kind of biggest part and just kind of um, my mom volunteered at the church a lot and they really burned her out. And there was just some really bad leadership and leadership choices. There was some great leadership choice people. There was great people in leadership when we started there and they kind of had phased out. And um, there was also just, we also were 
um, planning to switch schools too um, because of some messed up stuff that um, pretty much like there's this guy who got all these people involved in multi-level marketing at like all these parents involved in this like insurance MLM and my dad was like blowing the whistle on this guy like crazy because my dad my dad's a financial professional I mean he went to an Ivy League school and has his master's in economics and is like this is not good this is not godly this is not good money use in general and pretty much like the administration lost a ton of money to this guy who was like known for scamming people who's in prison now and they didn't listen to my dad and there was kind of a lot of overlapping between the school and the church that was like a big part of it and then so kind of in looking for the new church and looking for the new school at the same time um was kind of the biggest reason for the shift um in my parents uh and we were all young so we kind of just went along for the <laughs> ride. Um, yeah. So I remember like not wanting to switch because I had like so many like friends in like the older church and stuff like that. And um, the the reformed church served cookies and the evangelical one served donuts. Oh. And I was like, I was like pissed because I was like, <laughs> oh, we don't get donuts on Sunday morning anymore. We just get these bad like knockoff Oreos. Um, oh, they weren't even which, the name brand. That is rough. No, I mean, <laughs> Dutch reform. That's going to, that's going to happen. Yeah. But. So that was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that was kind of like fourth grade brain, uh, being upset about it. But, um, okay. so yeah. So then like fourth grade through, through college really was definitely involved in more reformed churches, um, hopefully worship at reformed churches, but then was also in a Lutheran high school, so kind of had like these clashing liturgical theologies. Um, so it was always kind of weird because be like my religion classes in high school would all be based on Lutheran theology. And then on Sunday, I'd go learn the Heidelberg Catechism. And there really wasn't a lot of differences, but there's always just kind of the pocket of reformed kids at my high school that I mean, it was all in like good love and teasing, but like a lot of like high school, like the Lutheran teachers would like to tease us about our reformed theology and Mm -hmm. Calvin and things like that. So, um, did you like take on a super reformed identity at high school or was it just kind of like, well, this is what it is? Um, I would say so. Yeah, probably. I think part of it was just kind of the contrarian to me in being at like a Lutheran (laughs) high school where it's, like oh well you might love Martin Luther but have I told you about John Calvin um (laughs) just kind of you're such a good hang wow I know right exactly (laughs) I think there's just kind of part of me that was always a bit of a contrarian so I think that was always kind of a big part of it was that um but I also kind of in similar to being the super Christian in the evangelical circle like the heavily evangelical circle um I think I really like that there was a strong set of rules in Calvinism and in reformed theology that it's like oh I can follow these rules like and be good at it and be better at everybody else at following these these uh reformed rules um so I think that that's kind of the part of the, the identity that I took up heavily mm-hmm. um 
And so, and like, even like in high school had sometimes where I thought like, maybe I'd go be like a reformed pastor and things like that. And went to a reformed college and went to a reformed church while I was in college. And, um, I still think that there's a lot of really great things about reformed theology. I just think that there's a lot of not great things about reformed culture. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but I think that's kind of a lot of the church in general. And there's also a lot of things of reformed theology. I don't necessarily agree with either. Um, so yeah, let's unpack that a little bit. Like what are some, what are some pieces that you've like now started being like, yeah, I don't love that like culturally or theologically that you don't really like identify with anymore. I think culturally, like, I think it's very ironic because I think growing up, I loved the kind of set of hard rules. And now as I'm older, I don't like that. I want there to be kind of more fluidity in spiritual spaces. And I also think that as a lot of um, denominations do, I think they heighten the heighten the level of theologians um almost to the point of where it's over jesus uh mm-hmm. and i think that's something that i really struggle with um like i think that there's definitely a great space for theologians and theological thought and philosophical thought and thought leaders um but i think that sometimes we become slaves to humans um and i think that a lot of times what we think is Christianity is actually a human's interpretation of Christianity. Um, And if it's a human interpretation, it's going to be a flawed interpretation. I think that has been my biggest thing in general as kind of in my curious Christianity is just realizing that so many things I was taught about God, I wasn't taught from God. I was taught from people talking about God, Mm. Um, which I think that's where the, the kind of mystery and mysticism can kind of be found in it is because it's, I can't talk to God. Um, I'm not going to say that other people can't. Uh, I just, um, I mean, I can through prayer and things along those lines, but I can't uh, have like a voice to voice conversation with God necessarily. So it's, it's definitely kind of distilling and realizing like what is actually from God and what is from humans interpretation of what God is. And also knowing that in me answering what is from God, that's also a human interpretation of what God is. So um, that gets really messy too, but also just kind of, um, I think with a lot of those cultural pieces of just kind of things like a lot of mainstream conservative thought interweaving with Christian thought, but that's not from the Bible or from Jesus. I think it's just human thought interweaving with more human thought. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely kind of like a big part is just kind of realizing um, how to try to um, keep the human aspect in it because we're humans living in this world, but also the human, the human speaking very uh definitively about i think definitive language and theology is something i'm I'm definitely moving away from mm. um i think having yeah. definitive definitive answers in theology I, I love the church i'm going to in phoenix and like for the first time i i heard a pastor ever say like i don't know 
Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's where I can, I can really struggle with some people is when they're just teaching things as definites when really outside of Christ coming, Christ dying for our sins, Christ resurrecting, I feel like those are the only things that are truly definite in Christianity, mm-hmm. at least in my interpretation of it. I think that there's definitely other parts that are close to definites, but it's hard to, to truly prove if, if we weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always hard when like, okay, every, not only every religion, but every like denomination disagrees on these types of things. And it's, it's hard to be like, okay, well, you all think that you're right. How does that even work? Right. Exactly. I just think in life in general, it's just refreshing when people say, have the humility to admit that they don't know something yeah, something I'm really bad sign. at <laughs> and it's something I'm trying to be better at um so I think just people being able to admit when they don't know something I think mm-hmm. especially when I think especially just kind of in that back to like the they're growing up like evangelical you kind of had that mindset of if this is wrong then all of this is wrong um so you'd never want to be wrong about anything because then your whole worldview crumbles. Yeah, it's Um, like Jenga. Yeah, exactly. To be very careful. So when you were in college, like, did anything shift as far as, like, your, like, worldview, your experiences? Um, You know, it was obviously reformed still, but you were living away from home. Like, how did that work for you as far as religion and spirituality and values go? Yeah, I definitely think... um, Again, like, I think Trinity is a great example of a place uh, where you can definitely out-Christian people, um, and having that internal insecurity was definitely uh, on full display, especially my first two years at Trinity, I feel like. I felt like, um, especially being in a public position at Trinity and leading worship and things along those lines and kind of having that side of of myself at trinity uh there's definitely that aspect of okay so we've got thursday worship and we're going to go to a church on sunday and there's chapel on wednesday and friday morning i'm going to check all those boxes and it's like oh you didn't do that you slept in past chapel like i guess you don't take this serious enough um Mm -hmm. definitely had that mindset my first two years but that definitely kind of crumbled um through just different experiences and meeting different people and having people kind of challenge that worldview I was in, but then also just self-realizing, like, what is the difference between going to chapel once a week and twice a week? Or what's the difference between going to chapel at all and not going to chapel at all? And what's the difference between going to uh, worship night or not going to worship night? And um, just kind of realizing some of those human practices that can be spiritual and equating those to spiritual practice um, was something that was just kind of a big wake-up call where I was just kind of more burned out than anything. Um, I mean, my basketball work took up a lot of my time. My academics took up a lot of my time. And I think being on worship 
like there'd just be nights where it's like i don't want to do this and there's no way that that could be worshipful or spiritual if i'm coming here out of obligation not Mm. out of a willingness and out of a love and care for god and a love and care for the community that i'd be serving through that um so I think definitely kind of just the normal college burnout. I think that's the thing that um, a lot of like Christian college students and Christian college graduates don't want to admit, but it's just like you have that normal academic life that can be super stressful. And then you add a time of your life that has tons of human development in it. And then also you're putting a very strong focus on spiritual development at the same time. And that just does so much to you that it just kind of breaks you. And I think it breaks a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. So I can't really think of like a specific point in college, but definitely kind of more like end of sophomore, ended like beginning of junior year. Um, Well, I guess probably because I worked at, I worked at a camp between, um, my sophomore and junior year of college, I guess that was kind of a big point too, of just kind of realizing how Christianity could be different from reformed Christianity and just kind of seeing a lot of different good, bad, and ugly um, forms of, of Christianity at at camp too. Um, So like things like that, I think were big, big parts in that kind of wake up call pre deconstruction time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. I feel like not a lot of people talk about that kind of like Christian burnout. Like I've heard that talked about some, but like it happens so early in life. And I think like people talk about it much more as like pastors when they're older, but like there is a lot of pressure to like be involved in everything and like kind of like out Christian each other in these different ways. And I remember, um, Like I felt kind of weird at Trinity because I, from a fairly like early age, like earlier in high school, I guess, like church and God were like completely separated for me. And I like had a lot of bad experiences with churches. And, and so I like went to Trinity because I was very much like very, very Christian, but I had no desire to go to church. And I had like, I really chose Trinity in part because it was a Christian school, but they didn't require chapel attendance. And that was something where I was like, if I'm going to go to a chapel, I don't want it to have to be like required because no one is going to be happy about being there if they like have to do that, you know? And so like, I think it was, it's interesting how though, like a personality like yours is still going to kind of take on this like requirement of like, I need to have, I have to do this still to like be involved in these things and, and to commit to these things. And yeah, I just think that's fascinating how like, it's not just you, it's a lot of us who kind of still put that requirement on ourselves, even if the institution doesn't. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was like a big thing. Like, I think that was like, it's in a similar realm too, where I really appreciate that like Trinity didn't require chapel because it would weed out the real Christians from the fake <laughs> ones was kind of like my mindset, um, which That's is great. farther from the truth of what I would believe now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think 
that's a very interesting point because I think we had similar upbringings, but I think that couldn't be more opposite where I felt as just, and this is kind of, as just an insecure kid in general and an insecure teenager and young 20 year old and still battle insecurities now, but like not as much as I used to, but I think just as a very insecure person, I felt least insecure in the church because I, I knew what I was doing. I didn't feel out of place. I didn't feel, because I knew how to game the system. Like I knew how church worked. So I didn't feel like I was going to be yeah. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a big part in me choosing Trinity too, was like, I, I know how I'm going to be able to fit in here. Um, which came out of insecurity, which I just, I think that's kind of as the looking back and not in a shameful way, because it's nothing to be ashamed about, but I think that insecurity and the, and what came out of that was rooted in so much more sin than, than Mm -hmm. what a lot of things could be, because it was rooted in narcissism, egotism, insecurity, lack of self-love, lack of um, Mm self-care, really self-abuse. I was really kind of abusing myself in a way of, of not letting myself um, enjoy God's creation and enjoy other things because I was having to, to follow those rules so strongly. Yeah. It is interesting though, too, like as someone who was like on the outside, um, during that time of your life, like you were very much seen as like, okay, this person who has it like all together and all this, like exactly as your goal was, like, I feel like you were exactly seen that way. Um, and it's interesting to me how, like all of the things that you wanted people to see you as like that worked, but then that also meant that like, you had to like hide all of these other pieces of you that were like not thriving because that would kind of cancel each other out if you, if you were able to be authentic in that way. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think that's, that's just an interesting confirmation to hear. And I think I definitely wasn't a happy person. I wasn't a Mm. joyful person, but I'm happy to know I convinced everybody I was. Um, (laughs) I'm happy that. I just remember everyone was like, ah, I just want to be friends with Josh Colagelli. Like he's the coolest person. He's the funnest person. But like a lot of people were like, I don't know if I could be friends with him. Cause he's like the coolest of the cool, like all this stuff. And like, um, I and I so like, funny. I often didn't like, I mean, sometimes I would get, engage in those dialogues, but I would always think like, it's so interesting, like in a small college like that, how everyone is like seen. And then I love checking in with people later and being like, what's that? What was actually going on at that time? Because I know I had my own stuff that I was dealing with and that people didn't see me as. And I think it's like, yeah, just fascinating to check in with people and see what, the, what was actually going on at that time. Yeah, I think that's so funny because I mean I have my group of like guy friends that I left college with who I'm super tight with and like mm-hmm. love those guys, but it's like I don't know. I just think it's funny to like think that that's what the because that is the persona I was putting on, um, and that that's what the perception came off as. But like I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends. I didn't feel like I had a lot of close intimacy with people. I felt like I was kind of on my own a lot, um, mm-hmm. which was a my own fault um mm-hmm. so that is that is just interesting to hear the uh, the other side of that yeah when you're a freshman in college like that's always going to be this weird like insecure time of figuring things out but like it's funny when in in any group there's going to be this group where it's like okay 
these, these people have it figured out and they kind of know how to do it. And like, since you were able to kind of figure that out early on, I think that was part of it. Yeah. I think, I think it's really interesting now to just kind of, um, I mean, working with college students now in my position Mm -hmm. at ASU, like, I just think it's so funny where, I mean, ASU has its reputations, but it's not like, not just the difference of like, oh, the school has like, parties and trinity doesn't which like i always think like, especially being in like my position i always think it's so funny because i'm like i went to a small christian college in the suburbs with 1500 people and guess what was happening every friday and saturday night people were still drinking alcohol they were still smoking weed they were still spotting like yeah, no matter where yeah. you go at college <laughs> there's gonna be parties happening um but like just yeah. like seeing seeing i think it kind of goes back to that christian burnout like seeing how much stress that some of my students have um but that's without having the like social christian pressures that aren't even spiritual like they're just structural social pressures of christian college students too and it's just like man christian college students have it like like almost twice as bad in some some Mm -hmm. regards um but I, i mean every student carries their own weight in different ways and everybody's life experience is difficult um so it's not like there's me trying to out difficult people again <laughs> and being competitive <laughs> again um it's not like oh man this is way harder than what they have um mm-hmm. but like I think that it is just interesting to see just kind of the different burdens and weights that that Christian college students carry compared to to non-religious schools yeah absolutely so what was it like when you finally left Christian education? Yeah, so grad school was crazy, but it was like a complete culture shock, kind of. I mean, we'd always joke about like Trinity being a bubble, Trinity being a bubble, and be like, no, it's not, like you're being ridiculous, but it's definitely a bubble. Um, And I think that the culture shock, I mean, I think it comes in, it's a really good thing too, because it was my first time having a heavy dose of being, around people that were nothing like me um so I think that was really good for me so it was definitely a schedule that was really hard to kind of fit those churchy things into that I was so used to um and so I would try to I would I tried like pretty much every church in Mount Pleasant um one of them's actually a cult so that (laughs) that was uh fun I got out of that one luckily um oh, good. no yeah, insurance so, scams no no insurance scams um so I, it, it really kind of stripped down some of those again kind of human actions that could sometimes be spiritual um because I didn't have time for it mm-hmm. uh because my schedule was so consumed by basketball and school that it was really hard to um make time for my spiritual life but I definitely didn't, I, it wasn't like, oh no, like I'm losing my religion. It was like, I think coming to some like real realizations where it's like, okay, what's, what's actually better for me and my relationship with God, like actually getting to sleep in today and it's Sunday and actually getting that rest or like waking up, dragging myself to church, going to church and then going into work right after. Um, so things like that. So I think that's, that was a big thing. I think kind of just being around 
I mean, being in the Midwest, especially the rural Midwest, like Mount Pleasant is, everyone's going to be Christian adjacent for the most part. So it wasn't like, oh, he's the weirdo Christian kid. Like everyone grew up going to church or was at least open to Christianity. Um, So I think that it was just really important though, just to meet a lot of people that I hadn't met before. I think um, especially in grad school is my first time having friendships with people in that people that were out in the LGBTQ plus community and um, having just more and more relationships with people who practice different religions than Christianity. I mean, it was my first time having class with a Jewish person because you weren't having classes with Jewish people at a Christian school. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was just like just different lifestyles, different genders, different sexualities, and just kind of having exposures to those people um, was just really helpful and just kind of my general humanity. So I think there was just like a lot of parts of my life that I had to tackle that were ingrained in me that I didn't necessarily notice were um, that like I didn't actively seek out, but things like homophobia, sexism, uh, racism, um, all the bad isms um, like mm. that were just kind of ingrained in me through conservative Christian culture. Um, and that's definitely when I would kind of say having, I don't think I would have put the formal work deconstruction on it up until like six months ago, but I think that's definitely when kind of a lot of my um, previous spiritual worldview and mindset kind of started to, I wouldn't say crumble, but started to, if we're going back to the, the Jenga, uh, there is this, the blocks that wouldn't get pushed through and you're trying to find the loose blocks you can, and you can't find any loose blocks on the Jenga tower. So you got to kind of reassess everything. Mm. Um, so I think that was, that was something that was really impactful about my time at central. Um, obviously meeting my wonderful wife, Hannah was really impactful too. Um, but I just think that first year, that first year was the first time I didn't get to do that super Christian thing really in my whole life. So it was, it was like, okay, if that can't be my identity, because I'm not finding community in that, what is going to be my identity? Who am I? Like, what am I? (laughs) Um, and kind of having that human side of, yeah, it is. And it was very lonely and difficult. Um, and now I have like, I mean, I have some of my best friends in the world came out of my experiences at Central. I have my wife, um, like, which kind of happened, which that more happened in my second year in my summer in Mount Pleasant. Um, but that first year was just kind of just, it was definitely a stripping experience of just kind of like a lot of my pride, a lot of my um, narcissism, a lot of my expectations, a lot of just kind of everything was kind of stripped down to bare bones. Um, and had to kind of figure out how to put it back together. So, um, yeah. Have you, have you decided to put things back together? Like, how's that working for you now? Yeah, I think slowly, but surely. Um, I think all this too, but I think I never really said this, but in that timetable of, senior year of college to first two years of grad school that was also the Trump administration so that also kind of sped up a lot of the tearing down too of um, (laughs) seeing 
kind of that Christian game I knew um, being like, oh, that's not a game I want to win. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like, that's not a game I want to be a part of. <laughs> so uh. I think that was a big part of it too um, in that stripping process. I should have probably mentioned that earlier, but um, seeing what uh, people who I thought were really great kind people and the evil and vile things they were saying about people and that just wasn't okay um and that Mm -hmm. wasn't biblical at all and it wasn't spiritual at all um so I think that was a big part that sped that stripping process up to was uh the longevity of the Trump administration um which is probably another long rabbit hole we can go down but the initial question of building things back together um, yeah, I mean, I think that's just kind of, it's tough. Um, I mean, I think it is tough to kind of, again, like, I think my biggest thing is, um, wanting to not put too much faith in the human side of Christianity, which is something I did for a really long time and put my faith truly in the divine aspect of Christianity. So I definitely like, I think the reason I would define myself as a curious Christian is because I realized that a lot of what I had learned wasn't actually things that were taught by Jesus or taught by God. And um, I think that kind of is the core, core question in my curious Christianity is what did Jesus actually teach and what did Jesus actually do? And who Jesus actually was, um, I think is just kind of one of my core pursuits of life is trying to, to figure that out as much as possible and kind of remove as much of the human element from that as I can, but also knowing that that's not totally possible. Um, Mm. so I think just realizing, um, I think just kind of seeking that and learning that, um, I think especially through ways of things I was growing up in like high school and college where it'd be like I can't touch that I can't engage in that because that stuff's bad that stuff's evil or that stuff's going to make me uh unbelieve or make me lose my religion and things Mm. like that kind of realize now I'll take one of your baptisms away (laughs) yeah I'll take one of my baptisms or my 13 prayers away or my (laughs) profession of faith so um so I think definitely being able to kind of engage in um like different philosophers and different people and it's like oh it's okay that this book was written by an atheist like that's okay I can probably learn a lot more than a book I can learn a lot more from a book written by an atheist than I can by a theologian um so or at least equally amount but also just kind of finding those um Christian authors or Christian thinkers that have kind of that are kind of on the outskirts of the church. It's just been really comforting too. Um, because I just think that the margins, uh, shout out to Dr. Matson, but standpoint theory was always my favorite thing to learn in communications yeah. class, um, communications theory. But I think that's always like, I think that there's just the people on the outside have a better perspective of the inside than the people on the inside. So Mm. just finding um, those kind of people and embracing that kind of stuff is, is really been what I would kind of categorize as my 
curious Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not like you're a wildly different person from when you were growing up, but you've like matured in so many ways and really like fully processed so many things are in the midst of processing that. Um, is there anything that you're like very thankful to leave behind? I think kind of like I mentioned earlier, I think if there, there wasn't kind of some reconciliation within my family, I think that there'd be more kind of regret and shame. Um, I'm thankful that I can listen to secular music because it's a lot better than Christian music. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm very grateful to leave Christian music behind for the most part, uh, outside of a select few artists. <laughs> um, but uh and it's something I'm still working on, but I think I think not having as heavy levels of um, of like I don't want to just say shame because I think that's like that's definitely a very legitimate thing that a lot of Christians, current Christians, ex Christians have to battle with that psychological side of that for a really long time with a lot of different things. But I think mine's almost like. Um, borderline like self-hatred and like mm. being able to like kind of leave that behind of allowing myself to make mistakes allowing myself to learn um not getting like incredibly frustrated with myself if I mess up um and things like that like I think I think that's something I'm really happy to to leave behind like I think I think a really impactful piece of of media for me that I found in grad school um was the movie first reform i think just like yeah. the images of like him covered in the scars um and like what he like was physically doing to his body is what i felt like i was physically doing or what i was spiritually doing to my spirit in kind of like oh i can't believe you did that or oh like whatever it was or even just oh you didn't make it to chapel this wednesday like <laughs> things like yeah. that like um i just think that that imagery kind of summed up a lot of what my past life was like mm-hmm. um spiritually and so kind of moving past that and kind of healing some of those scars and um being able to just ex- accept myself and my role in this <laughs> yeah right before first reform came out probably a couple months before I like had subscribed to like this email chain that like invites you to like different seminary screenings of things. And because it's in LA, like they have access to a lot of that. And so they did a screening of first reformed and then they did, um, they hosted Paul Schrader, who is the like writer and director of it. And I remember watching that movie and like, it really impacted me in a really big way. And it was so frustrating to like like no one else had seen it at that point. And so I was like, I just need my friends to watch this movie so we can talk about it and process it. Cause it was like, it really, it was really strong for me. And yeah, yeah I I'm, I'm thankful that you've seen that. I think it was really yeah. helpful for me. Yeah. I think like, especially cause when I saw that movie, I definitely would have still identified myself as reformed. So I think like mm. going in, I was like, oh my gosh, like a movie about me, like a movie about reformed people. This is crazy. Nobody knows who reformed people are. And then by the end of it, I'm like, oh shit, this is about me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like had that like, yeah. oh, I have to like face some shit and like kind of go through it. Um, sorry mm. for swearing if I'm not allowed to swear. No, on you're here. allowed uh, to swear. Um, 
uh but that was like that was yeah and i i streamed that movie unfortunately i wish i saw it in theaters but we mm. didn't have a lot of uh small indie theater houses in mount pleasant unfortunately so oh, come on. <laughs> i had to watch that one on my uh tv in my grad school apartment but that was yeah i think that movie was def- definitely powerful in my in kind of kind of planted the seeds of of deconstruction for sure yeah absolutely is there anything that you kind of like miss from your old super christian life i miss knowing what to do mm. um i think i'm definitely just kind of in this floating stage of life, which is beautiful in its own way. Um, I think, but I think, especially during the pandemic and we're, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but I think especially during times of like very lockdown times, it's just like, man, I don't know what to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like in my super Christian (laughs) lifetime, I had like, a very set I kind of always knew what to do in how I think that was kind of like in my coaching life too where it's like okay they're gonna throw this at me so I'm gonna throw this back at it and like kind of knew how to do that yeah. and I think now it's definitely kind of what do I do um, I still do believe in work as calling but I also really like just working as a nine to five and being able to have me time and Mm -hmm. being able to go home and spend time with my wife and our cat and be able to do that and be able to read and watch movies and do things like that so um I think that's probably the biggest thing I miss is just kind of even though it it made me miserable um but like knowing like I mean it's kind of like what you said about Trinity it was like oh he has his life together like I knew how to make it look like I had my life together Mm -hmm. I feel it's now some days I feel like I don't even know how to make it look like I have my life together (laughs) because uh it isn't always yeah so as we're kind of like wrapping up and coming to a close I'd love to hear from you what you'd like to say to people who are worried about young people leaving the church yeah that's tough um I think the church needs to realize its role in why young people are leaving I think especially in my upbringing um the thing I was always taught was you're going to be oppressed because you're a Christian um and I think if I've learned anything in my 26 years of life is that I'm not scared to tell people I'm a Christian because I think they're going to oppress me. I'm scared to tell people I'm a Christian because they're scared. I'm going to oppress them. Mm. Um, so I think that's something that people need to realize is how powerful and privileged the church is in our society and tackle why youth and our younger generation might be ashamed of that power um, because of what's been done with that power, I think is the, the biggest thing I would say to, to people who are scared of the youth leaving, um, <laughs> the youth leaving the church. Um, I think that people just need to realize um, what the youth find important. And I think that this young generation finds a lot of really important things important, um, like justice and 
um, justice in all forms of the word, peace in all forms of the word, um, even righteousness. And I mean, <laughs> the younger generation, <laughs> they might not overtly say it's the fruit of the spirit, but the younger generation finds the fruits of the spirit really important. And the church doesn't do a great job at living those out in day-to-day life. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So profound. Thank you so much for being willing to share this with me and take the time. And I know you've always been a very like thoughtful and well-spoken person. So it's fun to like see that still in your personality, but it's been fun to kind of see the other pieces of growth um, since I knew you. So I would love to see you in Phoenix sometime if I stop by and we can catch up sometime, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Come meet our cat. Right. I would love that. He doesn't um, have any teeth, so he can't oh, bite no. you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I definitely need to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, this was great. This is my first time ever on a podcast. So I was oh, really excited about it. Um, good. I always yeah. have thoughts to share. So having a place to be able to do that was great. So <laughs> thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Liv. Bye.